Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. I turned out. So let's start this morning like we would do with our uh, scripture memory pat. Well, that didn't take long. That was kind of impressive. All right. So today is uh, Hebrews 4, uh, 14, 15, and 16. So if you've got Hebrews 4, 14, 15, and 16 memorized, if you'll stand up, we've got uh, some things to give away this morning. So we've got three. Any more? Any more? All right. Mr. Stephen, you're up first. Seeing that we have a great high priest we do. who has passed through the heavens, yes. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with us in our weaknesses, for he was in all points tempted as we are, yep. yet without sin. Amen. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find favor to help in time of need. Wonderful. Good job. All right. Boom. That was a good one. Cool. Miss Darla? No cheating now. No, no cheating. Yeah. He took your cheat sheet. That's good. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, yes. like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Awesome. Good job. Thank you much. And Miss Amy V? Seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Yes. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. Yes. But was tempted in all points but without sin. That's right. Therefore, let us go boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. Boom. All right. Very good. Excellent job. So um, if, you're, if you're new to our class, we do uh, memory passages uh, at the beginning of the class. And if you can state the verses from the prior week, there's the mustache is throwing me. So that's just awesome. Um, the, it's awful. Is that what you said? Oh, okay. I didn't say it was awful. What's that? <laughs> One more week through gritted teeth. Yes. And rolling of the eyes simultaneously. Yeah. You may want to abbreviate that then. So that's what I'm saying. All right, so uh, this morning we're talking about angels. Uh, this morning we're talking about angels, so uh, this is all in the doctrine of God. We've gone through the existence of God, the knowability of God, the attributes of God, uh, the providence of God, working through what God created, um, how He engages, who, what His being is. Uh, you may remember what last week was. Anybody? Prayer, yes. So this is the communicating with God, and the with was the big key word there. And then, uh, so today is angels, and next week is Satan and demons, which you may go, well, why in the world would we do angels, Satan, and demons in the doctrine of God? Well, two reasons. One, it really doesn't fit anywhere else. And two, uh, this is part of the creation of God extended out and how He engages with us. So kind of all wrapped in there together. So we'll give a definition for angels. Uh, so if you've got your handouts there, the first blank is created. Angels are created spiritual beings with moral judgment and high intelligence, but without physical bodies. So we'll go through and we'll walk through each one of these. So who's got uh, Nehemiah 9.6? Nehemiah 9.6. <clears throat> Not the place that I thought that we would begin our study of angels, but that is 
one of the verses that's there talking about angels. So, Nehemiah 9.6, who's got it? And the angels of heaven worship you. Excellent. So, uh, Psalm 148, 2 and 5. Psalm 148, 2 and 5. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise who? Yes, very good. Easy questions to start. They'll get more difficult (laughs) as we go. There you go. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. For he commanded and they were created. Now, some people have a mindset that angels existed for all of eternity past just like God did. And that is just not true. Because if angels existed for all of eternity past just like God did, they have uh, inherent God-like power that brought themselves into existence. And, and that just isn't the case. God created the angels. So this, this first word that you wrote down is actually kind of a big deal, this created beings. And then who's got Colossians 1.16? Yes, Dave. For by him all things are created that are... uh, Not all, though, right? I mean, just most. It really means most, right? I mean, in the Greek it's most, right? Or is it all? It's all. Yes, it's all. So hang on, hang on. So what about heaven? It didn't just exist? It wasn't just there all the time? Is this hurting anybody's brain yet? Because sometimes we don't stop and think about this, right? That heaven itself did not always exist. Angels themselves did not always exist. God brought these things into being because He is the source of all creation, both where and where? Visible and invisible. Visible and invisible. I love that, right? Keep going. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. And we'll talk a little bit about some of that today. Uh, But doesn't matter where it is, doesn't matter if you can see it or if you can't, God created that. So he's got all of that under his uh, jurisdiction, under his creative power. So let's look at 2 Peter 2.4, uh, looking at angels exercising moral judgment here. 2 Peter 2.4. For God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains, gloomy darkness, to be kept until the judgment. That's right. So, so what was hell created for? Does anybody know? Satan and the fallen angels, right? It wasn't created for man. It was created for uh, the devil and the fallen angels. And the angels sinned. The angels rebelled against God. Uh, Satan, we we believe, led the angels in this rebellion. Um, There's a a portion of Scripture, I think, that talks about a third of the angels followed Satan. And that's a big number because we'll we'll look at a couple verses that describe how many angels there are. And it's, it's a really big number. So a third of that, there's a lot of fallen angels. So they, uh, their eternal home will be hell. Um, and then we get to Jude 6. So that it's it also in this 2 Peter 2.4 we talk about this angel sinning. So there's a, this conscious decision to rebel against God. This conscious decision. So this moral judgment capability. So Jude 6, who's got that? And angels who did not keep their own domain but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Right. So, so they were supposed to stay in one spot And God gave them enough uh, decision-making authority to decide to either stay or not, and they did not, and then did things that they were not supposed to do. So what did He do with them? He bound them up, right? So if you combine that verse with the verse that Stephen 
uh, read. This is, uh, some of these are bound up in hell right now. And that's where they'll stay for all of eternity until God throws hell into the lake of fire and then they'll be in the lake of fire one day. And it's just, they only got one chance to make a mistake and they made a mistake and it was bad. So let's look at uh, Hebrews 1.14. Hebrews 1.14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them who shall be heirs of salvation? Excellent. So we have this idea now that they're these ministering spirits. So there's some type of work that they are doing um, back and forth. And so it, it begs the question, so if they're spirits, do they have bodies? Well, let's look at Luke 24.39. Luke 24.39. Behold my hand. <clears throat> Spirits do not have flesh and bones. Um, now, so can we, can we always see angels, right? That's a good question to ask. Let's look at Numbers 22, 31. Numbers 22, 31. I just realized uh, about two weeks ago that these type of Sunday school classes are the absolute ideal way to surf Facebook in Sunday school because you can look really spiritual flipping through and typing things in, and, and I would absolutely never know. I'm just looking, <laughs> looking up verses. So uh, hopefully I didn't plant a bad seed of idea in your brains there. But uh, Numbers 22, 31. Who's got it? Now, I love this verse because Balaam couldn't see what was already really there. Right? And there's a lot of... There's a lot of principles being taught here, but one is that we don't always have full visibility into reality. And this angel was standing there with a sword drawn and Balaam couldn't see it. It doesn't say that the angel then appeared. It, it says Balaam's eyes were opened to see the reality that already existed. So there are things that we cannot see and angels can be in that realm. So 2 Kings 6.17 kind of makes you wonder who's in the room with us. 2 Kings 6.17. I've always heard preachers, by the way, say that it was Balaam's fault that he couldn't see the angel. That he was in his own head and was stubborn. And sure, could have been. Yeah, could be. And Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots and fire all around Elijah. So some people could see and some people couldn't, but who in both of these scenarios is responsible for opening the eyes? That's God's responsible for opening the eyes. Okay. So again, I'll ask the same question. Kind of makes you wonder who's in the room. So Luke 2.13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. <laughs> that was awesome. And so the timing of that was really awesome because in my head, that's exactly what happened. And then I, and I thought, it, for a second I thought, did I sing that? I didn't. No, I'm not that good. Somebody, okay. He's like, all right, cool. That was good. Yeah, I was like, that didn't come out of my mouth. There's no way. My school level's way down here. Um, so, 
so there's this idea that sometimes they can be seen, sometimes they can't, sometimes they show up very, very, very quickly. Um, showing up so fast, in fact, that you know, it scares people. Uh, many times in the scriptures when the angels interact with people, the first words out of their mouths are what? Don't, don't, don't be afraid. You know, calm down, calm down. I know you hadn't seen anything like this before. Just calm down. It's okay. Uh, we get startled very easily. So, so what kind of things do angels do? Well, there's, there's a couple of things here. Let's look at uh, Psalm 34, verse 7. Psalm 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Well, that's a nice one, isn't it? I'll take it. What about Psalm 91, 11? For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. Cool. Again, you know, put that in your kid's bedroom, <laughs> right? Stop putting Philippians 2.13 in your kid's bedrooms. It's not what that means. Uh, 4.13, sorry. All right, doesn't mean they're going to win the football game. Put that one in there. God's got your back. Uh, Hebrews 1.14. Yeah, so we've got this idea that they're actively working. These are not uh, lazy created beings. They are, they are actively working. This is a, a job that they are performing. Um, and then Hebrews 12.22. Hebrews 12.22. Absolutely. And what are they doing? What's the next verse say? <clears throat> Excellent. So there is um, that, that Hebrews chapter 12 talks about uh, people coming together and this innumerable host coming together, and there's a grand worship of God going on here. Um, and there's a ton of, I'm going to skip these verses starting with Job 1 all the way to Ephesians 1.21, uh, but there's a ton of other names for angels in the Scriptures. I'm just going to read through some of these real quick. The sons of God early in Job, uh, they were called the holy ones, the spirits, the watchers. Uh, Colossians 1.16, thrones, dominions, principalities, authorities. Uh, Ephesians 1.21, powers. Um, there's lots of different words that, that, that really sound like they're describing things in this space. Um, so there's a lot of different things going on. Now, typically when you study angels, there's three other created beings that are studied along with angels. They are not, however, technically angels. They have their own names. They have their own characteristics, they have their own functions, uh, but we do want to look at those this morning. And you'll notice that there's three words there. Um, the first is cherub, the second is seraph, and the third is living creatures on your notes. Now I've got blanks right after the cherub and the seraph because these folks don't show up individually in Scripture anywhere ever. So every Valentine's Day card you have ever seen is wrong when you see this one little cherub by himself. No, that's not how they operate. They are always at least in pairs. So those little blanks put the letters I, M in both those blanks. In English, we make words plural by adding S or ES or a S apostrophe or you know, rules that I forgot. And it involves an S somewhere in there, right? Uh, in Latin, sometimes it involves adding an I, right? Because it gets pronounced really weird and everybody goes, well... My kids spelled that word wrong now because, yeah, because it's, it's Latin. They have different rules. In Hebrew, you make something plural by adding I-M many times. So when you see uh, cherubim and seraphim, this is more than one of them at the same time. 
So uh, they initially show the cherubim show up in uh, Genesis three twenty four. Um, anybody got that one? Did I put that verse in your notes? Genesis three twenty four. Excellent. What's that one talking about? Absolutely. And in the vast majority of Christian art, you will see one cherub standing with a sword. And the problem is that's just really bad interpretation of the Bible um, because it's plural. There's more than one of them there. Um, the, the, a, a probably a better reality or depiction of that would be two cherubs, cherubim, with maybe a sword doing something else. Because it doesn't necessarily say that they were wielding the sword. You don't know. Maybe. But there was more than one of them. They're always in pairs. They show up in Psalm 1810. Who's got that? And out of the cherubim and in three the sword only went forth Who is this? Who do you think would ride cherubim? The Lord of hosts. Yeah. He is the Lord of hosts. He is the Lord over all those things. So he does not drive a Mercedes Benz. He does not drive a Lamborghini. He does not drive a Ferrari. He drives cherubim. How cool is that? Right? I mean, this is when he wants to be visible in getting around. This is how he gets around, which that's pretty cool, right? How do you roll up in your cherubim route, you know? It's just fantastic stuff. Um, and then Ezekiel chapter 10 describes this as well. Uh, they show up one other place uh, in Exodus 25, 22. Uh, Exodus 25 is talking about the Ark of the Covenant. And this is the description of the, the items, both the, the length, the breadth, the depth, the contents, the coverings, the ornate decoration, and on the top of the Ark of the Covenant are what? Cherubim. cherubim, right. And most of the time, people describe them as angels, and it's not it. They're cherubim. This is different. But you need two of them. And Exodus 25, 22 says what? Right. God says, at this place, in this location, we will have conversation. And it will happen between these cherubim, which that's kind of cool. Maybe a foreshadowing, maybe, I've read some things on this that say, maybe this is uh, getting us ready for when we see God Himself in heaven one day, and He is between cherubim. Oh, you know what? He kind of prepped us for that, right? There was, there was something back here that was pointing towards that. So that's one group. Uh, another group of hev heavenly beings are called the seraphim. Uh, and they're really only mentioned in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 2 through 7. Um, and they've got a really interesting job. So somebody tell me what their job is. Six wings, right? So when you see these pictures of angels with two wings and they're puny little things, no. Okay? No. Uh, the best wings I have ever seen on television or in the movies were the, I'm blanking on the name of the series. Somebody help me. It's the 
No, not touched by an angel. Wow. It's got Wolverine in it. X-Men. Thank you very much. The, is that what you said? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Okay. Yeah, so the X-Men. And there was one where there's a sun and these wings come out. And, the, and it's like 20 feet long. And I'm going, that's the seraphim wings right there. Some big... God doesn't play around when He creates something. It is majestic. It is glorious. It is meant to be blowing you away. These little bitty, oh, I've got tiny little cherub wings. Wonderful. No, come on. So keep going reading. Sorry. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a light. Then flew a what? To me. A, a seraphim, right? Did it say an angel flew? Seraphim. seraphim flew, right, okay. Having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. So, so these, these creatures, their job is to. Uh, cover themselves in the presence of God and reflect back God's holiness to Him. Now, if I created a robot that just said, Jim is holy, Jim is holy, Jim is holy, Jim, just constantly, two things would happen. One, my wife would kick me and the robot out of the house. <laughs> and two, you would think I was extraordinarily arrogant, right? God is the only being in the universe that can create something that for all time will reflect back His holiness and that be completely appropriate. It is wonderfully inadequate to reflect His holiness. But still, this is their job forever. So I'm not building a robot. So Awesome. Cool. All right, and then we get to the really weird creatures, which uh, we'll just read Ezekiel 1. Um, somebody scan down through verses 5 through 14 and pick out anything that may just appear odd to you um, from Ezekiel chapter 1. Just feel free to shout it out when you see it. Their appearance had human likeness. They had human likeness, okay. Four faces. Four faces, because one's not enough here apparently, right? Four wings. Four wings. They were sparkly. They were sparkly. There you go. <laughs> I was wondering if anybody had that translation. <laughs> Bedazzled. Oh. Oh. Wow. A face and a lion on the right. So one face is a lion. One face is a ox. One face is a... He said eagle. Eagle. The feet have hooves. Their wings are all hooked together. Do you feel Narnia-ish at this point? Yeah. He didn't dream all this stuff up. He read the Bible. He went, oh, you know what? We'll call this Mr. Tumless. <laughs> Wonderful. And we'll trim this part off and we'll call this somebody else. And this is where they dreamed all these things up. The Scripture came from this. Um, and the script, well, this came from the Scripture. Sorry. Wow. That was really, really bad theology. Thank you. Sometimes the nervous laughter helps me correct it too. So, good. And then they show up in Revelation as well in chapter 4, verses 6, 7, and 8. All right, so I'm going to move really quickly through a couple different things. Um, how many angels are named in Scripture? Does anybody know? Gabriel. Gabriel and 
and Michael. Right, and that's it. That's it. Uh, you have fallen angel. What's that? Morona? No, he doesn't show up. Imagine that, right? We'll talk about him in a minute. Uh, no, he doesn't keep speaking the King's English either. That's, you're, you're baiting me now, aren't you? Yes, you're baiting me. All right. So uh, a question that, that people have sometimes is how many angels are there? And there are several different verses that say a lot. Um, so somebody look up uh, Psalm 6817. Psalm 6817. And then somebody else get Revelation 511. So who's got Psalm 6817? The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. The Lord is among them as in Sinai, in the holy place. Okay, so 20,000 sounds like a lot, even thousands more, right? Okay, so that's a lot. It sounds like a lot. What does Revelation 5.11 say? Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne of the living beings and the elders. Okay, so now we've reached into the millions, right? Okay. So what about Deuteronomy 33.2 or Hebrews 12.22? What do they say? To the how many thousands? Countless thousands. Countless thousands. So I'm a math nerd, and telling me that something is countless, you just threw the glove down and said, challenge. <laughs> I can keep adding zeros for a long time. I mean a long time. But if the Bible says there's countless thousands, you know what? I need to quit counting because there's a lot. What does Deuteronomy 33.2 say? The Lord came from Sinai and dawned from Seir upon us. He shone forth from Mount Paran. He came from ten thousands of holy ones with flaming fire at his right hand. Absolutely. So, so the number <coughs> described as you go through Scripture changes based on the setting, but there's a lot. Millions, millions, probably billions or trillions of these. I mean, there's just... There's countless number, right? Those are the, those are the, that's the positive side of the original total, yes. Yeah. So uh, a question that people ask sometimes is, do we have guardian angels? Do we have guardian angels? Um, so quick poll of the room. How many of you would say, no, we do not have guardian angels? Anybody? How many of you would say, yes, we do have guardian angels? How many of you are going, I'm not really sure, but I feel like this question is a trap because we're about to read some verses. Yes. Yes, yes absolutely. So let's look at uh, Psalm 91, 11, and 12, uh, Acts 12, 15, and Matthew 18, 10. Psalms 91, 11, and 12. Yes. It says, For he shall give his angels charge over thee okay. to keep thee in all thy ways. So there is some degree of protection that they are providing, right? Okay, good. So we haven't identified individuality yet here. Keep going. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. So, and this sounds like something that we heard Jesus say in the New Testament about this being a fulfillment of prophecy for him. So, okay, good. So what about Acts 12, 15? 
it must be his angel. Who, who are we talking about here? We're talking about Peter, and he was in prison, and there's a, they're having a prayer meeting, praying for Peter to get out of prison, and Peter knocks on the door. And rather than saying, thank you, Lord, this is an answer to the prayer that we are praying right now. They said, oh, no, because the Jewish rabbis taught that everybody had a guardian angel and that the angel looked like this person to help them at different times so that you could confuse the person for the angel at times. And they said, no, little servant girl, you are out of your mind. Um, we don't believe that God has answered this prayer directly right now. We believe that and he, he has sent an angel, something far more complicated, to, right? And yet this was their belief, so... Mm-hmm. And that this was him now an angel. Yeah. It is, and this is th- that interpretation is a much later interpretation than than the existing writings that would point to you have a guardian angel that looks like you. That's so, what people yes, yes, that's, that's exactly right. Say, my puppy died, but now he's my angel. I'm like, yeah. Oh, that really twisted. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they've worked all kinds of stuff in there, so that's just not. Yeah, and then Matthew eighteen ten, and this is kind of the oh, okay verse. See that you do not look down on these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. So whose angels in heaven? Their angels in heaven. So this is this is the verse where most people will pull the I have a guardian angel out of because the little kids have angels that are looking out over them, which as parents, cool, <laughs> right? And sometimes it's looking out over them so that we do not do things that would jeopardize their existence, <laughs> right? Because we, we do this at times. We think things that are not very kind and loving about, um, yeah, I'm just going to stop before I have to edit the podcast. So, all right, a couple other things, and I'm going to start moving very quickly here. So, uh, the notes that I have, uh, my teacher versions have a lot of other stuff in them. Um, but we'll answer a question here. When were angels created? Um, Grudem's quote here is, All the angels must have been created before the seventh day of creation, uh, mostly because of Exodus 20, verse 11. Uh, it talks about everything that was created was created in that week. So at some point in that week, those angels uh, were created. There is an obscene amount of dialogue about what day of the week they were created and what happened when and here and there, but um, that is, that is uh, for another day and another time, and we have 20 hours to teach a lesson on because it takes forever to talk about that. So a couple things. This was very, this was a very helpful section for me, the place of angels in God's purpose. Um, the first one here is angels show the greatness of God's love and plan for us. Um, we've already looked at the fact that the angels sinned, and how many sins did they get before they were cast into? They got one sin. How many do we get? Yeah, I mean it's just you, you look at you look at the way God treated them. You look at the way God treats us, and you go, "Thank you, Lord." Right? I mean, this is a it is meant to draw us toward a grateful heart towards the Lord. Um, they remind us that the I love this quote. The angels remind us that the unseen world is real. Right? It's just a good validation that there are likely angels in this room right now. 
Cool. So, angels, if you are here right now, thanks for being here. Right? Uh, they are actually examples for us as well. Um, in their service, in their consistency, in their faithfulness, in their execution of their duties. Um, I had several authors that I read this week that talked about uh, the fact that we have angels watching us should remind us that we have people watch, we have created beings eyes on us so that we have some, a little more accountability. Even when, even when we're alone and we don't think, it, no, there's, God is always there with us. But at the same time, the angels are watching and keeping watch over us because God has commanded them to do that. Um, so it's, it's an example for us in their faithfulness, but it's also a reminder that we're not alone. Um, and then Grudem's quote here, angels, here's your blank, angels carry out some of God's plans. Not all, but some of God's plans. Uh, a big piece of work that they do in the scriptures is they bring God's messages to people. Uh, see how many times that an angel shows up and he says, I've got a word from you, I've got a message from you from God. Are angels around those that are unsaved? So do we have any, so my question then would be, do we have any examples in the, in the scripture of angels protecting or giving messages to or ministering to those that are not believers? Balaam. Who? Balaam. Balaam. He was a prophet, right? Saul had a, an evil spirit ministering to him. That's a really good question. <laughs> Grudem does not address that at all, nor does any work that I have ever read. Now you're going to make my brain hurt for like well, the next three days. What about that one instance where the, the uh, Roman, this is during the time where uh, Peter was supposed to go talk to him, mm -hmm. and that was where the blanket came down. But was there a ministering spirit to him? I mean, God saw him. When the blanket, so he was a, Cornelius, uh, Cornelius was a believer because he was praying in his house. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the Roman soldier, though, but he didn't understand the gospel. And he said, right. But he saw the angel, right? Well, no, I said, I was just That's a good question. Was he a Christian? So, okay. So let me, let me go back. Thank you. You just prompted something. Let's go back to the Old Testament. When... The prophet prayed for his servant's eyes to be opened, and he saw the innumerable host around. What did that innumerable host just then go do? Anybody remember? They waged a war. And it did not go well on the folks that they were waging war on. So can unbelievers see angels? I would say yes under certain circumstances, but I don't know that we have any examples in Scripture that say that the they are... When the angels came to the shepherds, we don't know that they right? were. That's right. Yep. It's the shepherds at, at the announcement. That's a good point. Good question. I, it wouldn't... It wouldn't um, so let's think about how God works. Would it surprise us that God acts preemptively in an unsaved person's life to reflect the truth of the gospel in their life? No, He does this with all of us, right? Okay. Would it surprise us that He uses all means available to do this? No, I don't think so. So I think I would leave that possibility open. So that's a good question. That's a good comment, Marty. Thank you for that. Um, all right, so a couple other things real quick. The next blank, angels directly glorify God. Um, and then a couple things here about 
our relationship to angels. So we should be aware of angels in our lives. Um, and then a caution regarding our relationship to angels. Beware of receiving false doctrine from angels. Um, that there is, a, there is a test in the New Testament to see whether or not you are talking to a spirit from God or a spirit from Satan. And the test is very, very, very simple. Anybody know what the test is? What's that? Almost. Almost. It's, it's very close to that, but it's actually the deity of Christ. What do you believe about Jesus? Is Jesus the Son of God? If the Spirit responds, yes, hey, great. You're, you're talking to somebody that has, or something that has not fallen. If their Spirit responds, no, this is bad, right? Leave. Get your children and go. <laughs> but that's the test in the New Testament. Um, all right, so a lot of different things. I know this was kind of a, this was a shotgun lesson with a lot of different spots going in a lot of different places. This is not a rifle lesson. Next week's will be a shotgun lesson as well. Um, I still think it's an odd stroke of scheduling that we will be studying the devil and fallen angels on Thanksgiving weekend. So um, I guess we can be thankful that we are not the devil or fallen angels. So we'll go with that. But uh, thank you for coming to Sunday School today. Take a moment and pray as a table, uh, if you will, for those things that you have written down in the prayer requests. Uh, remember that there's a section for prayer requests for this week and a section for prayer requests that are going to be ongoing for several weeks. Um, so make sure you get those in the right spots. And uh, thanks for coming to Sunday School today.